Yeah, welcome again to another edition of the Future Church podcast with me, Anthony Delaney. Um, I do hope some of you might write a review, um, even a nice one, which helps. And uh, tell us what you're enjoying. Tell us the kind of questions that you've got that you'd like us to address perhaps on here as we uh, are just meeting people from various places, um, different ministries, different businesses and organizations. But it's people who are, I feel, in some way kind of punching holes in the darkness and uh, letting the light of Christ shine in, in this world right now. And they, it's an eclectic group of people from various um, ministries in different parts of the world. Yeah, I, I use the word, another one would be eccentric, and I don't mean that in a negative way. It's a compliment to people who are doing something that's a little bit different somewhere. Uh, and it's also all about, the, the third E for me is, uh, it's about the ecclesia. It's about uh, beyond church on Sunday, though often it will include um, the, what we're doing on Sundays. It's what is it that the Lord is now up to um, 24-7 all around the world as he is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords, still using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. People like you, people like me. So if you're encouraged by these podcasts, can I ask you again to like it, subscribe to it, and maybe share it and put something on your social media that encourages you. Uh, and I'm encouraged today to meet a new friend uh, who's a good friend of one of my best friends. Um, so there's a friend of mine called Tobias Ngala. I've known Tobias now for oh, five, six years at least. First met him out in Nairobi in Kenya, which is one of my favorite nations in the world. I've probably been to Kenya five or six times now and spent weeks and weeks out there. And uh, Tobias became such a good friend to me over the years. I've been to see him in, in Nairobi, also in Mombasa, where he planted a whole bunch of different churches. And now he's in the UK and working for New Thing, which is um, an amazing church planting network that I'm also privileged to be a part of. And Tobias is based down in London, uh, doing a great thing there with my friend Ian King and Restore Church. So he just served me. I've got to say that. I remember coming over a few years ago to uh, Kenya and Tobias just sort of wrote off his time so that he could be with me and help me get to places, um, drive around with me, pray with me, encourage me so much. So he, he is, he's my brother and I love him very much. And, uh, and then he contacted me and said, hey, you should meet my mentor. You should meet the guy that, you know, took me on and helped me, first of all, to be a youth pastor. And uh, so we just met up on Zoom and uh, I'm now um, live to Nairobi, just outside of Nairobi near the airport with my new friend who I really want you to meet because I started talking about some of the things he's involved with and was so inspired about the future of the church there in Nairobi, in Kenya, in Africa, and how that's just going to inform and inspire us wherever we're at. I often say when we do launch, again, if you do, if you if you've not been to launch, go to launchcatalyst.org and maybe you can join us this autumn. Um, but I say that at that, the reason that we have such a broad range of different speakers from different nations is that we have people coming across from the US at times maybe, and they're great at giving us the bigger vision and maybe some of the uh, structures and the ways that can happen. But I, and in the UK and in Europe, we've got our own particular ways of doing things. But I'm always, I always love to go to these other parts of the world where God is just firing people up and maybe they have less resource. 
but they are more dependent on him and as a result of that than perhaps we are uh, and more resilient than we are to be able to get through the tough things that make us all want to curl up in a ball and wish it all the Lord would just take it all away. And so for me to hear the stories and connect with um, leaders from different nations, like in Africa, like friends that I've, I've connected to uh, recently, I've just been in Egypt again with leaders out there. To hear these stories is, is just fuel for my own faith. And so can I just welcome to the Future Church podcast, Oscar Amisi. Hi, Oscar. Hi, Anthony, and thank you for having me. It's wonderful happy to have you. Happy to finally meet you. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, God bless you and your family. So um, you, you're, you were telling me before a little bit about your family and your situation. Maybe you could tell us something about that. And also, um, you know, the ministry you're involved in and how that came about, etc. Right. So I'm, I'm married to Jennifer. Uh, like I said earlier, we have a 16-year-old daughter who just about to start as her year 11 in a couple of weeks. And I'm part of a church uh, on the eastern part of the city of Nairobi, uh, a, a very densely populated area um, called Deliverance Church. I'm not the founder of the church. The founder of the church is there. His name is J.B. Masinde. Founded the church in 1984. Uh, DC Umoja is a multi-site church that is in four locations. I'm going to five locations in a couple of months. And my role at DC Umoja is kind of like an executive pastor because I, I, I help implement the vision, I take care of the staff, uh, lead the group of pastors that are, that are there, and even think into future plans that are coming up. That would be the long and short of my role in DC Umoja. I've been in this role uh, for quite some, not a long time, I think for a couple of years now. I started off as a youth pastor of the church. So I've been in this church for quite some time. Uh, then grew, you know, grew up in the roles uh, from youth ministry, became an adult pastor, then took up the role of overseeing uh, the different pastors who are running the campuses in DC, in Deliverance Church in Omoja, right? Mm. Now, deliverance isn't something that perhaps we in the West generally tend to speak very much of. But here at Ivy Church, if people connect with us, we have a thing called the Discipleship Pathway. It's also on Right Now Media for people who are on that platform. But we have sort of tried to plot out something of the pathway of a disciple from somebody who's brand new and really doesn't know the Lord to somebody who is living on mission for him. And we've kind of been deliberate in naming that, first of all, the first step of that is to discover Christ. And the next thing is, is deliver. And sometimes we've spoken about that as being like the baby that gets delivered and brought. So we, they've actually crossed the line of faith. But then there's also there is an element of that of deliverance. So I'm just interested in the name of the, the ministry, the name of the church. And, and did that come out of a sense of a sort of spiritual battle in some way and of, of victory? And again, it's something that perhaps we shy away from a little bit in talking about these things. Um, you know, what does the term deliverance, I suppose, what would it mean for you? Um, and again, when the name came up, um, I think I was very young in the faith because the church, not even young in the faith, I was very young because the church started off in the 1970s. But what we are told, uh, it was during a time of a spiritual uh, spiritual movement, God's power being released amongst uh, the different believers in the city. Uh, then we had uh, churches that would, uh, you know, would shy away from the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So there was this group of young people that came together and really trusted God for a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. Kind of like to see uh, what was happening in the book of Acts happen again. And in the 1970s, it was that powerful move of God in the city of Nairobi. Uh, people, uh, you know, getting victories over some of the bondages and the shackles that had them down. People becoming Christians in droves. People being baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, amongst that, that, that group of people. And that's really where the name came from. It came from a point of victory uh, over religion, over the lethargic spirit that was in churches at that point. People moving out to speak about their faith boldly and freely, like it had not happened before. Young people in universities and high schools embracing Christ and, you know, openly speaking about their faith, uh, you, know, you know, and the salvation that God had given them. So that's where the name really came from, out mm-hmm. of victory, seeing God move powerfully amongst them during that time. Love that. And I think just for people listening, something I've always encouraged people to do is to look back to your own origin story as a church or movement, because nothing really gets started without some people who are pioneers, who are breaking into new ground, who are doing things differently. Everything gets started like that. And if we are trying now to say, well, what's the new thing that God is doing? Very often it isn't so much a new thing. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a revival in some way of right. the old thing. It's how we went. We go back, we look back, but we don't just cling on to things in the past. We say, well, what's the, the move going to be now? Because everything started with a pioneer. I, I mean, people at Ivy Church get so tired of me talking about a, a, the guy who founded our church, called, uh, whose name was Oliver Brockbank. And, and the story of how he came to the Lord through D.L. Moody and then came back to Manchester and began in a small house, reaching out just a Bible study for men and everything started from then. So I just say to leaders, you should be the expert on your story and own it and retell it. Because then if you're wanting to move people into pioneering in some way, you know, you should just say, we want to be, you're saying we want to be a traditional church. Great. Let's go back to our traditions. Let's go back to our founders. This is how we got founded. I guarantee your church, your movement, it got started by somebody hearing something different from God and having courage to go and do it. And then the Lord gets all over that. So I'm excited to hear your story. So from there, now you said that there's four, going to five different uh, church gatherings. Um, How many people roughly would you say that, that this church is now connecting with? And in fact, that, that would be our local church because Deliverance Church is part of a bigger family of Deliverance ah. churches. So you're talking about, about 2,000 churches across the nation and outside the nation in Uganda and in Zambia. But then our church, uh, which is a local church that uh, uh, is in four campuses going into five campuses. So on a Sunday, you're talking about a population of 10,000 people thereabout. Wow. Four campuses every Sunday. Come on, praise the Lord. Please, Lord, bring that to the UK. Bring there just such an outpouring of your spirit so that the, the, what we've settled for as the norm is just completely reset towards what you say should be happening, Lord. The, the church that you're building, the ecclesia that you uh, are building, that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Thank you, Jesus. So wonderful to hear that. You're now leading various other ministries. I know you're connected, we were saying before, with another friend of mine, Rich Robinson, and uh, you've had some input 
from uh, Rich and others, Mike Breen over the years, that have helped you to remodel. So you're not just thinking about the big numbers, but we're thinking discipleship. How do we help people not just to come along on a Sunday and be part of a big crowd, but what does it look like to be disciples? So what kind of thing does that look like for you right now? Yeah, so with, with, with our big numbers, we realized we were having most, most of the people were having a part of the crowd, but not discipled. So on, on a Sunday would be right to say we were having more of revving fans in the church, but the depth of the people being, you know, you know, very limited. So a friend of mine introduced me to Rich Robinson, who took us through a six-month cohort on how do you entrench discipleship. So we started that, trying to pivot the way we do stuff as a church uh, and, 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 you know, emphasize more on discipleship than ju- just a Sunday gathering. So we've been at it for a couple of years, and our church being a church that had been, has, had been founded a couple of years back, you and I know that it takes time to, to turn around that kind of ship. So we are seeing some fruit. Uh, we've seen language change, which is really starting to you know, affect the culture of the house. And, uh, you know, and seeing leaders and, and, some of our, and many of our people now turning towards that direction. We're not yet there. But slowly by slowly, we are trying to entrench discipleship as part of our culture so that we de-emphasize the Sunday. Not that the Sunday is not important, but get people to understand that, listen, church is more than the Sunday. It is a life-on-life kind of relationship. So that's where we are at. We are still at it. We are trusting God that we'll be able to turn around this big, big ship, and not just for ourselves, but even influence other churches that are coming up around us uh, to uh, embrace discipleship because in Africa we are told that you are a mile wide when it comes to evangelism but an inch deep when it comes to discipleship and COVID really exposed that uh, when we were you know when we were not allowed to gather in the sanctuaries we had lots of things happening and realized we could point it out and say our issue here is grounding our people building disciples we'll be able to stand you know in whatever situation or whatever circumstance they found themselves in. And God forbid, if another pandemic comes, they're able to stand on their own without necessarily uh, relying on a pastor in a church. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I remember at the start of the pandemic, I was on a call um, with the, the, the three people on it were myself, Dave Ferguson, who heads up New Thing, and Bishop Oscar Muriu from mm-hmm. Nairobi Chapel. Um, and we were praying together and you know because this was obviously this new darkness really this cloud that was coming over all the nations and um, we were all talking about you know what what would what was the Lord doing in that and what should we do and and it and I ended up saying as a result of the conversation it was interesting how the three different ways that nations and the Christians in those nations might respond because um dave for them he was saying more or less you know technology would be their salvation because they were able to still do what they were doing and they would just really quickly turn towards um technological solutions that they were ramping everything up so that they would continue to get the messages out and the ministry out wherever people were and um and that for me was a bit like the you know the u.s army you know, they're the best equipped with the best technology and all of those kind of things. So they could do it that way. And then I felt like the UK, um, the way that we do it is we don't have as much money and resources, but we are resourceful 
and we tend to somehow make a way through, even if we end up um, patching up something <laughs> uh, uh, to muddle through. And I was like, we'll, we're just going to wait and see a little bit, but we'll try a number of things and see what works. And then as we, in a conversation with Bishop Oscar, I felt like, you know, I said to him, What's the, what would the army do there? And he said, well, our guys can, can live for weeks on, a, on some chewing gum and, um, and uh, an AK-47 kind of thing. <laughs> That's what he said. And, uh, and he said that he'd said to their pastors, don't expect to be paid for months. Just go and start to uh, and make sure you're digging allotments and you're self-sustaining and those kind of things. And it just really struck me the resilience, actually of the leaders in many other nations uh, that we, we need to, you know, that I was really challenged by, um, you know, that we, if, if I think we had it tough um, through COVID, there's uh, so many other nations that, uh, that, that had it so much tougher. So we, we thank God for you, Oscar, and for your you know, faithfulness uh, and ministry going through that with your church and that you've emerged different. And one of the things we, that you mentioned to me before now, which is, uh, really exciting for me is that as part of that you are you're reimagining church and that's actually something that you've you've named as such tell me a little bit more please about about reimagined church what's that about so reimagined church was born from the point of asking ourselves questions as people who are spearheading this discipleship conversation and leadership development we realize one that our the most popular, the bulk of our demographic in Kenya is, is young people, and not just in Kenya, but, but in Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa. And then we also realized, like I said earlier, we've pushed so much the Sunday gathering as, as our face of the church, which is not bad, works for us uh, so well, but then it gets short of helping our members to be grounded because the discipleship aspect sometimes is, is very little. Uh, the other thing that we realize is that uh, we, we have issues with doctrinal issues in, in the continent. Lots of the doctrinal impurity that is being seen left, right, left, right, and center. Uh, we also realize that in our continent, we have, we have a population that is hungry for, the, for, spiritual, for a spiritual encounter. But in that hunger, sometimes they get themselves trapped in what is not legitimate. And uh, again, the other one was the issue of being so much accustomed to our labels, uh, the labels of our churches and not thinking, being kingdom-minded. So we came together and said, can we do church differently, especially for the sake of the younger generation that is becoming a little bit tired with the superstar mentality that is seen across Sub-Saharan Africa, that is wondering what is the, that is hungry for that authentic power of God, uh, that authentic word of God preached to them and taught to them just like it is. Young people do want to grow in their faith and really cause a difference uh, in their sphere. Young people were hungry for the power of God. So we came together and said, why don't we just bring together people of kindred spirit, of like mind, and ask ourselves, is it possible for us to model something different for the upcoming generation? We got a few fathers into the fold uh, that we felt would be able to speak uh, to this generation. Got a few pastors who are, uh, who are you know, some of our peers, but people who are much younger than us, we said, because you're talking to the millennials, you're talking to Generation Z, can we pull some amongst them that we feel have something, not just to, in, not just there to be seen, but also to, to speak to this, this generation. So we did two days 
uh, on, on August the 1st and the 2nd. Uh, you, you may want to know that Anthony, uh, in my few years of organizing staff, we've never faced so much obstacle like we did organizing Reimagine Church. Uh, we had to postpone it twice. At uh, the first time, of course, there was an issue that, uh, you know, with our venue and we realized the mishap was not just normal. Uh, the second time, we had some political demonstrations in our city and we felt we don't want to put people in harm's way. And interesting, just happened when everybody has confirmed, we had 300 pastors and leaders already confirmed for the event. We had to postpone it at 4 a.m. In the, in the morning on the day that it was supposed to start so that we make sure that people are not in harm's way. Of course, God helped us first and second of August, we were able to hold it. A good number of pastors came. Uh, the majority, the average age of, of the pastors who attend leaders was about between 30 and 35, which was very good for us. A couple of fathers came and spoke to this generation. And, and our hope then, which is still our hope, and we believe we were able to achieve that, was to trigger a conversation, not just an event in itself, to trigger a conversation amongst us as leaders that will go beyond the two days so that we can keep asking ourselves either collectively or as individual churches, can we do stuff differently? Can we be the light that God wanted us to be? The church is the hope of the world. Can we be that light in our part of the world? Can we make sure that we challenge our people to be faithful to scripture off the pulpit so they can be faithful to it on the pulpit? Can we challenge our leaders to not just think programs, but think discipleship? Can we challenge our people to start thinking, how do we go back to the very mission of God for the church, which is not just in the four walls, no, but really influencing society. Uh, talk about stuff like social transformation, getting our moves in the different spheres of society so that the light and the life of God can be felt amongst the churches. So we did that. And I'll tell you, we, we've sparked a conversation. Uh, we, we are doing a follow-up in the next two months uh, in, different, in two different towns. Our hope is that by the time we get to next year, we'll have some staff running, which you've worked on, in the different local congregations that attended, and then see if we can meet again in the month of July next year and just take stock and ask ourselves, how far are we with the things that we agreed on when we did reimagine 1st and 2nd of August? I like that. I think the key with these things, and you just sort of hit upon it, and maybe, again, that is something I've found from conversations with people like Rich and Mike and others, is the, the difference that, that, as you just said, asking people, how far have we come with this? What have we done about it? Because sometimes uh, church leaders can be among the worst for discussing, planning, praying about it but in the end what we do <laughs> is what makes the difference what kind of accountability do we put in place in a good way for us to actually um, do something about the, the things that we feel the, the Lord has, 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 has put upon us so we're not just hearers of the word but we're actually doing something different what what for you would it look like if I came along and was part of that reimagined church what kind of thing would I, as a leader, be looking to to maybe to do differently? What would you know? Where would it would it start with me in my own personal life, or would it be about you know the team, or or what you know? What, what kind of things do you think it would look like for somebody who came to that, who now goes away thinking, all right, I'm going to reimagine church differently? 
what would be some practical ways that that would look like beyond the norm of, well, mm -hmm. what we did last Sunday, we'll just do again this Sunday. So, so interesting, we came, we, we came for those two days of gathering, thinking about how do we reimagine church. But, but God, by his Holy Spirit, was leading us in a very interesting direction. We, we all came out realizing, before we reimagine church, can we work on ourselves as pastors first? Because you, you can't give what you don't have. Uh, in fact, people came up with this mantra. Uh, we reimagine ourselves first, then we reimagine the church. How do we solidify or ground our own relationship, personal relationship with Christ that as, mm -hmm. as church leaders and pastors, how do we model the way in terms of Bible study, reading the Bible, in terms of prayer? Uh, are, are, you, are you asking the people to pray and you're not a prayerful person? Are you challenging the people to read the Bible and you're not reading the Bible? Are you challenging the people to evangelize and yourself, you're not evangelizing? Uh, do you have a personal encounter with God as a person? Because you can only give from a place of encounter uh, with God. Uh, is your heart consumed with what is happening around you, with the, with, the, with, the, with the evils and the vices that are around you, uh, with the bankruptcy of life that is around us? If your heart is consumed with that, broken by that, then you can go forth and say, I want to be part of God's mission in society. So we came out of that place saying, we need to work on us as much as we reimagine church. We can't reimagine church without us putting ourselves at the center and asking ourselves, has God been able to help transform us so that you can transform those who are out there? So I think those would be the practical things that should have come in that meeting if somebody comes in. Let's start with you. Uh, maybe lack of a better word. It's the art of self-leadership. If you can't lead yourself, then you can't lead others. Yeah. So anybody listening now, and I'm challenged and convicted by that myself, rather than God, you know, when God says he wants to change the church, I can think, oh, good, that's good, you go and do that. And then he puts his finger right in the center of my chest and right. says, this is where I'm going to begin. It's where he always begins, is with, uh, with a leader, with, with, with a man, with a woman, with somebody who is, who is uh, confronted with their own, uh, well, sin, apathy, um, lethargy, you know, the, the call I felt in recent months uh, on my sabbatical was, you know, go back to your first love. Right. Because, you know, again, as, as leaders, we can have <laughs> lots of loves. You know, I could love preaching. I can love, um, you know, uh, standing in front of people and giving my opinion at a conference. I can love um, people coming up to me afterwards and say, oh, good talk and all that kind of thing. But when it first got started for me as a as a Christian, it was just Jesus. It was just all about him. And I wonder if, uh, you know, that's the, the, the thing to, that he wants to bring us back to. He's been saying to me, he wants to call me back just to the simplicity of that relationship with him. And um, so, yeah, because in terms of the, the different kinds of churches people would be going back to, I suppose that's different geographical regions, different social economic regions. There's some people I know, I mean, some of the best leaders I have ever met in Kenya were people who were, working uh, in the slum churches and mm -hmm. you know, one guy i'll never forget who i just was so uh, encouraged by who had been a teacher and he had um you know felt the call he wouldn't say he'd given anything up but you know when i spoke to him it was it was the call of god he was delighted to be in the place where he was um 
But yeah, I think there's this sense in which he had, because of his love for Jesus, as you said, and because he saw the need of the people around him, he felt called to go into a very tough place. And I'll never forget the place uh, and the, you know, walking around there. But he was making a big difference in a little place uh, in the lives of these people. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. What, um, um, what, what kind of connections outside of that are you also, you also have? Because I know that you're involved um, now with Rich and with some of the things that he's talking about with regard to movements and those kind of things in different nations too. How, how, what's, you know, I know your world is, is quite diverse in that sense. What other things are you also involved with us? So again, just to take you back to the makeup of some of the churches that are there. Yes, we had some churches from slums, uh, which we intentionally picked out because we, we realized they have a big constituency and doing tremendous work. So we had churches from all across all across the spectrum. Mm -hmm. uh, back to your question, yes, involved with a Movement Leaders Collective, uh, where we got involved in through M28, uh, where we help churches think discipleship, think leadership development in this part of the world. Mm -hmm. I'm also currently involved in a conversation with a church planting movement that are uh, uh, called uh, Arc Association of Related Churches. And again, just to think through how do we plant life-giving churches? In this, mm. this part of the continent, they are, they are broad in other parts of the world, but then wanting to have a presence in this part of in this part of Africa. Uh, just thinking about how do we raise younger people, younger couples, who can reach out to their generation. Uh, the Bible talks about David in Acts chapter thirty-six that he served God's purposes in his own generation, and we feel the median age being nineteen year old. 19 to five years, uh, we need to work also to pull the younger people, the 25s, the 30-year-olds, the 35-year-olds to plant. You, you, you've been to Nairobi before and you know, are they, as much as the continent is young, sometimes the leadership is very old. Uh, so we want to pull some of these younger people up there uh, through some of those conversations and see can we plant churches that are life-giving churches. So those are some, some of the things that I'm involved in. So M28 Movement Leadership Collective and then the conversation of planting churches uh, in this part of the world. Yeah, and I think what I've observed over there from my travels is that the church isn't shy of going to those young people and saying, you know, at the doors of the university, effectively, you know, yeah, you could go, you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, you could do many things, but... Have you prayed about whether the Lord wants you to be a church leader? And have you, you know, have you actually gone to God about your destiny? And is it just all going to be about you? And, and then opening opportunities for testing that. I've seen that many of these things are, are opportunities for people because it isn't that everybody's called necessarily to be a church leader, but many more are perhaps than the church has got uh, on ramps for them to be able to to test it. And it seems to me this is the kind of thing, again, that you guys are involved with. Right, right. And, and, and tell you what, we, we intentionally out there trusting God that God will raise a generation of younger people. So if today I met a young person who told me that they have a heart for ministry, I don't let them go. Because those numbers are becoming fewer and fewer and fewer by the day. And if we don't take care of that in a couple of years, we'll not have young people getting into the ministry yet. 
mm. to other areas of life. So you're right. Mm. So we're really looking out to this group of young people and saying, maybe God has called you to help transform your generation for Christ. Yeah. Don't, don't let them go. I love that. That reminds me, as soon as you said it, I went a few years ago to the um, viral conference, which Bishop Oscar put on and was privileged to be in some way part of that. And I remember he told, well, there was a young man who was leading one up on the stage and he was telling the story and he was leading one of their churches. But he just told the story about how when he was how he was brought up in the church and then he got into his teen years and he had his like rebellious time. And he'd grown out his hair like a Rastafarian and everybody was shocked by this and because uh, he was going away from the Lord. And then um, his one day there was a knock at the door and um, the pastor came to see him and called him back and said, the Lord has got a destiny for you and it isn't this and you need to come back and you need to get involved with the church and to serve Jesus in the church. And, uh, and he did. And then he said, and just so you know, that's Bishop Oscar that he <laughs> and had come and uh, and again, it just so made me think. You know, I, I have a you know, I want a more of a burden for young people who the enemy is trying to snatch away in so many ways to get them to be confused about their identity, uh, whether they're in the church or not, to get them confused uh, about their destiny. If you can confuse them about their identity, then he can steal away their destiny. Right. And I think we as leaders. Anybody listen to this, if somebody comes to mind for you, there's a responsibility placed upon us to go and be those shepherds who, as Oscar just said, now we don't just let them go. And especially if we start to see that some of them have got the beginnings of a call, then, you know, how, how would you have that conversation go for you, Oscar, to begin to test it with somebody, with some young person who, who maybe even somebody who's listening to this now, who's a young person, who's... He's kind of wondering, hopefully with a little bit of humility, well, maybe God has got something different for me. How, how do I test that? How do I know whether or not it is? You know, what was it like for you, Oscar, to move into ministry? How did you test it? What kind of things did you do for that? Um, um, and there was no one specific thing that I went out there to do, especially in the church. I was available in the church. Uh, availability was key. That uh, I would serve in the church, uh, unlike Europe, you, you know, Africa, that sometimes we have to volunteer to make some of the things work in church. You have people, volunteers to volunteer to clean the church, set up a sound system, do all sorts of things. So I was involved in all that. I think that availability and tagging myself along to some of the people in the church who are at a more advanced stage in terms of serving really helped them push me towards the direction that God would have wanted me to be. But I think the key one was just to be available. Yeah. Uh, I was not perfect. I was not experienced. But the little that I would get to do, I would do it with all diligence. Uh, if, it, if it meant uh, making sure the church is ready for the Sunday service, I was there to do it. And, and, and I think God used people and, 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 and even his word in moments like that really emphasize the fact that, listen, there's something in you that will be helped. There's a hunger in you to help transform society. And, and, and within that time, I, I really started with the younger people, of course. But the key was I was available. I mm. made myself available. Mm. in church. Yes, no, the ability, the Lord can supply, but the availability is our uh, option, is, the, is our choice. And I, I, I so resonate with that. I think I've, I'm not saying I've always got it right, but over the years, I've 
I, whenever I tried to look for a leader, I first look for a servant. Right. I'm looking for somebody if they, you know, lots of people would be a, would be able to lead. They would say. But my question would be, well, where have I seen you serve? And <laughs> in what positions have you just come along? Because in the end, you know, the Lord turned all that on his head. And he said, the, the, you know, the rulers, so-called rulers among the Gentiles, lord it over one another. But I've come among you as one who serves and that he wants us to learn, you know, not so among you, he said. And I think, you know, again, we have um, uh, perverted leadership to some extent and that's why perhaps again especially maybe in the west but no i think it can happen in africa too we see these these times where where you get somebody who who is a who's a big leader guy but he just wants everybody to serve him right right it happens yeah and um you know again it, it's something that we uh, we we have to watch in our own hearts that's so interesting to look for the available look for the the servant hearted and and go to them and in, and you invite them uh, into into an another level of relationship right so so key wonderful um what would you say are the kind of any challenges that the the church in um, in your nation is like now mostly you know if there was one or two things that actually we, we need to pray through for you for kenya that would be the you know what are the giants that you're facing right now as we're coming out of potentially it still feels strange at times the covid into whatever challenges are going to rise up against us what do you sense are the 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 giants in the land there that uh we would pray for you um to to be able to to, to stand up to and call down in the name of jesus um, a couple there could be many but i just mentioned a few i think one is um COVID really affected the commitment of people to the church. Uh, good news, we could uh, be able to stream our services online on Facebook, on YouTube, which was good technologically, that did well. But then there's, there's something you get in the gathering of believers. So we, we still have people who are yet to come back to church, are still feeling comfortable uh, you know, using technology. Uh, but then scripture says, don't forsake the gathering of brethren, which is so key. And then um, I think the influence or the impact of secular humanism, um, postmodern thinking, uh, trying to really penetrate and really puncture and fire the church, issues to, and you guys have had them in the West for a long time. Now, we used to think they're in the West, but now they're at our doorstep. Matters to do with uh, the LGBTQ movement, stuff like that. How does the church deal with that culture that is outside, like you said earlier, and, and, and make sure that we can still evangelize, be the light of the world uh, in a good way that God would want us to be, but still remain firm on the principles of scripture. And I think that's the tension that is there. How do mm. we not come out so aggressively to the point of we are even pushing away the opportunity to evangelize and reach out to people who may be thinking differently mm. and they not compromise the stand of scripture. I think that, that, that is big. And then uh, we talked about the doctrine of purity earlier. I think that's a place that you need to pray for us as an African church uh, so that we can go back to, uh, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm not saying this is the case with everybody. I'm just saying uh, there's a lot of 
cultural influence sometimes, uh, you know, in, in the way people hold uh, the doctrine and sometimes forcing scripture to say what it doesn't say, uh, especially for the sake of making quick returns, either having so many people come in, make a little bit of money here and there, and we end up, many people end up taking advantage of the population. And when that happens, sometimes many become cold, mm. cold towards towards the church. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Well, I'm just listening to that and thinking, first of all, well, there's like a few things um, that obviously we have people having um, attachment issues in terms of being able to belong and to become part of the church and to fully devote themselves to the community of the Lord's people. There's questions around um, morality, immorality, uh, you know, what it is to, to be uh, that fully devoted disciple of Christ, the way he would define it, not the way that we, we might like to define it. Um, right. And then finally, uh, again, what's the, the, how do we combat false teaching and false shepherds? And I'm thinking, oh, those three things, yeah, it's the same, same here. But it's also, those are the issues of scripture, you know, aren't they? Those are the things that Paul's writing about. Those are the things that, that you know, Peter's writing about and, you know, and Jude's writing about. It's like, you know, this is why we thank the Lord that actually we don't just hold fast to the truth of, the truth of scripture. We have to, you know, um, embed ourselves and anchor ourselves in them because, you know, that's we, it, none of these are just going to be solved by man's ingenuity. We got to keep going to the Lord and asking Him for how do we how do we wisely navigate these times? Right. Uh, because it, that's the world, isn't it? It's, it's the world right. we live in that the mm -hmm. church is meant to be making an impact in. So I'm grateful. I say you've, in some ways, I'm reassured <laughs> that you know the things you're going through. Brother, we are going through. We, you know, we've got uh, different takes on them in different ways, but in the end, um, we, you know, we, we, it's the Lord's uh, word is our is our unchanging guide, rather than any other shifting sands. Right. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Praise God. Would you please? I always ask a guest to pray for for us. Um, in uh, for people now, you know, there could be somebody who's in a gym somewhere listening to this or driving down the road. It could be a church leader. It could be somebody in business. It could be somebody who's, who's wrestling with whether, whether church is worth going back to at all or somebody who's never been, still got questions about Jesus. We have so many different kinds of people that I know that listen. Um, would you just pray that for each one of us that, that that same God who is unchanging would meet somehow miraculously all of us today? And, uh, and, and draw each one of us closer um, to his supernatural love. Right. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for um, the great conversation that we've had with your servant, Anthony. We, we pray for the church in the UK and by extension in the West. The Lord will bless the church. The church is the hope of the world. So we speak your life upon the church. Their hunger and their desire for an encounter, the power of the Holy Spirit. Will that happen? We pray that that will happen in their time, that they will see you move mightily. I will see you move and break chains and shackles and bring transformation. And we pray for any person who's, who's listening to this podcast, whatever they are, they could be having a need. Uh, they could be, you know, desiring you to reveal yourself to them more. We pray that that would happen in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, spark something in the hearts of the listeners to search for you, 
want you more, reach out to their neighbors more, and to live out their Christian life uh, in a way that will glorify you. And, and, and I pray uh, for the for the initiatives that Anton is leading, we pray for launch that is soon coming. God, would you give them an impact? Would you do something different, something that only you can do? Would you surprise them, Lord? And bless Anthony and his family. Bless the church. Bless his children. Bless those working around him. And just bless that body of believers. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Lord. Thank you for Oscar. We just pray, Lord, for your continued hand upon him and Deliverance Church and all of the different ministries, all those thousands of people, Lord, that are starting to come back, not just to gather together but also to meet with you i pray lord as my uh, burden now right now is that each one of those meetings would be a supernatural community that's all about jesus that they focus on you in the midst of all the distractions the temptations uh, the frustrations of this world and this age lord and that as they focus upon you and make you um, as, as we want to lord that the, the one that our hearts are drawn towards you'd reignite uh, first love or you you'd call them to yourself in a in a in a brand new way lord in this day we we believe lord that the days best days of the church aren't all behind us lord but we are encouraged by the plans and the purposes that you are working out in the nations right now whatever people are doing governments educators institutions lord it's you that is moving and is making a difference in these situations so i pray lord uh, in the words that come to mind as a result of um, the, the teaching of the reimagined church, the, the old song that we sometimes would sing in our churches, send revival, start with me, Lord, that you would do that, that you would revive your work in our lives in these days. And Lord, start uh, something fiery, something powerful, something that the world has to take notice of. Lord, that the church in our days is known as a place of, of miracles, a place of power, a place where people come to have their sins forgiven, whatever they are, Lord, and uh, to be able to live as a new creation, which is the greatest miracle. And then, Lord, that we would continue to believe for all the other lesser miracles, healings and deliverances, physical, emotional, spiritual. Lord, that even if you can raise dead sinners, you can raise the dead to life. You can do anything, Lord. And so I pray that you would, in this year, for everybody listening, whatever our faith level is at, I pray that you would um, multiply it tenfold, a hundredfold. Lord, that we would expect to see you move in mighty ways in our nation, in the ministry that you've called us to, in the place you've called us to serve you with those you've called us to serve. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank wow. you, Brother Oscar. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Father. That was that was brilliant. I enjoyed it. Yeah, wonderful. So um, anybody listening now, again, if you want to stay connected, please subscribe to the Future Church Podcast blog. Uh, give us a like, give us a share. If you want to find out more, go to my blog, anthonydelaney.com and connect that way. And also, please join us if you can. I'd love it if Oscar could get here this year, if not the year after, um, for launchcatalyst.org later this year. Um, and uh, so you can see us in person. If you could possibly do that, that would be amazing. Well, God bless everybody who's listening. And thanks again to my guest today, Oscar Amisi. Thank you so much.